everybody. Welcome to the Rogue Rebels podcast. Uh, I have with me today a very special guest who you guys all might know from Blue Harvest podcast. It is the homie, Hosberg Hart. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Dude, I am so hyped for High Republic. So I was glad to find another homie who was super hyped for High Republic. I am the definition of hyped. Okay. So like I've been on this train since the announcement, like since they made that announcement and that little live stream, I like watched it and I'm like, that's like 45 minutes from the house. What if I just walk in? Uh, But you know, I would be escorted from the premises, sir. That's what what would happen (laughs) if I just walked in, Uh, you know? So, I've been like, dude, like it's Jedi and they're like really cool looking and they have like gold, nice things on. And then like, like I like the mission. What is it like? Because they have the, uh, what is it? The temple the garb works. and the mission oh, garb, oh, yeah. right? Yes, yes. So like their mission is like all these brown, like kind of leathers over their tunics and they just look dope. Like what's her name? Uh, uh, oh God, the one from the comic, uh, Keeve Trennis has like this kind of vest bandolier that like the two lightsabers hook onto the vest like the dude from boondock saints like it is dope so like just on to, on on a costuming thing alone when they started releasing those pictures i was like this is the business yeah yeah so i got you know what an uh something i haven't heard a lot of people talking about that i just think is so neat lightsaber holsters yeah like, and they're like a sleeve, like it fits in mm-hmm. there like a little leather sleeve for their cross guards and all this fanciness. Yeah, instead of like, a, you know, a cell phone clip from the early 2000s. Right, right. Instead of one little metal hook or, uh, you know, we have the, uh, we call them Covertech clips. So it's like uh, a little uh. squeeze kind of clips. Those are mostly prequel era. Um, you know, when Rebels came out, I was like, oh, they're going with the old school D-rings, huh? Right on, right on. <laughs> you know, as a, uh, as a Jedi myself. I can see the differences. And then, uh, what do you call it? Like, Batu opened up, and they sell one that's like both. Like, it has a, a hook for a D-ring, and it also has a Covertech clip for, I guess, whatever kind of lightsaber you have. And I was like, oh, look at this, like, pretty combo. That's kind of cool. Like, That's cool. I wonder if that's going to be acceptable in any club. I don't actually know the answer to that. So, hey, don't at me. At Saber Guild or Rebel Legion or whoever's doing the, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, stuff for that, but... Man, like, yeah, costumes alone got me hyped for this. And then just seeing lots of Jedi and lots of Jedi doing stuff was something that I was always excited for, which, like, we kind of got in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like the tail end of it, and the Jedi are not quite Jedi, and they're already kind of, like, there's a lot of cracks in that uh, facade. Yeah, it's nice seeing the Jedi as a more united front, I guess, if that makes sense, where, like... Yeah, because the prequel, the whole idea of the prequels is we are seeing the end of the Jedi Order right. as it was for so long. And, you know, by the time Phantom Menace comes around and then obviously, you know, Attack of the Clones and Clone Wars, like, they're uh, on the heavy decline. They're, you know, getting involved yeah. in things they probably shouldn't be involved in and so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's really cool to see that, like, that era of... I guess maybe like idealized Jedi. I don't even know what to call it right now. Like we're still at the beginning and it seems like they have a long plan. They got three phases. This is like, this yeah. is a Marvel cinematic book universe right now. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, and it's it's nice to see, like, such, um, you know, a widespread sort of uh, united publishing front. And obviously, it's reaching out into more than just publishing. But right. to me, it reminds me of back in high school when I was hyped on the new Jedi Order books. And this is even yeah. bigger than that when you consider yeah, it's how true. many books, comics, a uh, live action show, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it it's really cool to see like I like them being able to spread their wings. You know, so many times I heard like uh I rem I I went to a lot of the resistance screenings at Lucasfilm. Um and you know, like they do Q&As and stuff like and I remember a few times people asking, hey, like, how is it? And this was before episode nine had come out. And I think I want to I'm not sure, but I want to say it was probably like the season two premiere of Resistance, mm -hmm. you know. And so they were asking, like, oh, you know, like, is this going to how close is this going to get to episode, you know, when episode nine? Because episode nine was like about to come out the next year, you know. So presumably it was like, oh, are, are we going to like run into that? Because like, we were already at the end of season one, we were kind of after episode seven and eight. Mm -hmm. you know uh so that was like a question and one of the um one of the people they were like i don't remember if it was the producer or the writer but they were like oh you know it's been a little bit challenging working with you know with that whole thing because we've had to go back a couple of times because the script for episode nine changes so we have to make sure that we're our thing doesn't mess with you know so, so i like can see how the concurrent production of these giant projects that take a lot of like animation takes a couple of years to get through. And I'm sure a movie production takes a couple of years to get through. So as things change on one end, it kind of affects the other end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, where that yeah, can no get in doubt. your way. And then you yeah, have some <laughs> poor guy that wrote a book who has to go back and erase a whole paragraph because now mm -hmm. it's another name or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And, and what I really like about this whole, uh, high Republic era of stuff is it seems like, you know, the publishing, the books, the comics, etc., are sort of, you know, obviously there's a lot of work being put in and it seems like they're laying down strong groundwork for it to be explored in, you know, yeah. other settings going forward. So like by the time we get to Alkalite, right, which should, is yeah. still a couple years away, like, all of this stuff will be set. The background yeah. will be set. Characters, settings, you know, po politics. Yeah. And uh, I just, I could see that being really cool and, and a really interesting way to interface with all the various media that Star Wars sort of stretches across. Oh, man. This is, this is awesome. Okay. Let me hit the business real quick. Okay. Check us out at therogerebels.com. Go ahead and like our Facebook page because, hey, we share stuff there. Check us out on Instagram at The Rogue Rebels, where I plan on starting to use some of my home quarantine time to finish costumes that have been on the back burner for like ever. You know, we're the Rogue Rebels and we're a costuming family and I don't think I've finished a costume in like two years. And that's only because <laughs> Axel keeps outgrowing his costumes. You know, um, and I'm on Twitter at Salamag Music, but don't come for me there. It's a horrible place. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's bad times. Uh, da, 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 let's see. I don't know if Lizzie's done a new episode of Star Wars Geek Girl, actually, but that's in my notes because I don't know how to erase things. And hey, Haas, where can people find you? Where can they hear those lovely dulcet tones and get a taste of the good Blue Harvest business? 
Um, well, every Friday, uh, my buddy Will and I release an episode of our Star Wars podcast, Blue Harvest. You can find that on, you know, all the podcast places. We're pretty much on any of the services. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Sweet Twitch, man. I've been, like, just getting on and playing a couple rounds of Squadrons. I've seen that. Every day or so, you know, like... Well, I was out of the room for a while because uh, I was quarantining because, like, the house got COVID. Oh, no. So, like, yeah, like, grandma went to work and somebody had a Thanksgiving party at work and spread it to everybody at work. So then grandma was in her room for two weeks and we're, like, dropping food at the door and stuff. Like, like we take it, like, we're, we're, we're masking up in the house. Yeah, man. You got to take this yeah, stuff seriously. We thought it was all good. And then, like, Liz started getting a little bit sick. So then your boy, like, I was making Mandalorian stew every day. I was like, this is good for you. It's got chicken in it, man. Come on. <laughs> and then I was making, like, Freddie Prince Jr. green chili stew. But, like, when she's sick, like, she wasn't hungry. So, like, <laughs> right. I made all this good stew. And I guess just me and Axel's defenses was tip-top because, like, you know, we uh, we ended up eating all the food. And then, um, and then I started feeling sick, like, right at New Year's. Mm. So, like, Axel switched rooms and bunked with with mom and i came over to axel's room and they were leaving me food at the door and i was like down dude i was like fever every day for like a good eight days dude that sucks i'm glad you guys are uh on the men though that stuff is nothing to mess around with that's scary not at all dude like we're still uh we're still like like now we're like masking up if anybody else is in the room like if i'm in my room playing squadrons i'll be cool but if like you know when liz comes home from work i'll put on a mask right because you never know you know, so it's just, it sucks, but, um, you know, at least we're not leaving the house or anything. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah. But I feel much better. So welcome to 2021, fools. Yeah, man. Hopefully not too long before we can uh, get that tasty vaccine and uh, mm. won't have to worry about all this silliness yeah, for a little while. I'm trying to keep up on that too, you know. Yeah, I, I signed up. There's a... In our county that we live in, there's a a service where you can sign in and put in all your information, and hopefully they get back to you when you right. know when it's like you're your, able to your get tier one or whatever. Yeah, and and yeah. then like my parents are getting their first dose today, so that oh, makes cool. me feel cool. pretty good because you know they're both uh, sort of elderly, and my right. mom has right. you know a couple of health issues that would be real scary if she ended up getting yeah. it. So that's yeah. a nice you know relief to hear that they're getting theirs at least their first dose today yeah yeah this all kind of happened like it was like after thanksgiving that grandma got sick so like we had to can we canceled lizzie's because lizzie was going to come home for the holidays because they closed the school down so she ended up with her you know boyfriend over there in pennsylvania you know so that sucked we didn't get to see the kids for the well lizzie yeah you know, that's that's was whack but it's good that she didn't come here because it was pretty mm-hmm. uh hectic in the house for a minute you know all right, so like just real quick, like I guess let's get into the book book. But yeah. like, first, let's start with like like our imp- spoiler-free impressions and that way whoever hasn't read the book can duck out after that and then come back after. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. So like I I dug the book a lot, and in a weird way, you know what it reminded me of? What's up? Uh it reminded me of Aftermath like in the way that like it, it's not a all right way to go professional podcaster um it reminded me of aftermath in that way that like it's a big epic story and you get to see a lot of pieces of the universe 
like even though it's not written in the same style it wasn't like you know present tense or whatever the like the wendig thing is but um i really dug it and it gives you that big like there's almost no main character there is like avar chris is kind of a main character and so is bells and like there's you follow a couple of them you know but it's not really about one person that you just follow their journey you know or one group you're sort of seeing a lot of things that are happening in the galaxy yeah it jumps around a lot and Mm -hmm. it's it is it does a really excellent job of introducing you to this period of star wars history and i think you know that was one of the most important hurdles they had to get over right Mm -hmm, was mm -hmm. like introducing all these new characters this new setting the new like uh, you know the state of the galaxy with like no familiar touchstones you know what i mean well you know so no spoilers there are a couple of people whose names you might recognize that show up and i was like oh wow okay Mm -hmm. um but yeah you know you you'll occasionally get a, a a location you might be familiar with Right, right. Or, you know, something like that. But other than that, it is completely new. And I'll be completely honest. When I first started the audiobook, buddy, I was struggling a little bit because it's so many mm-hmm. new characters and trying to remember, like, okay, this person is this species and this person, right, right. you know, is affiliated in this way and so on and so forth. But about halfway through, you know, just powering through and, and occasionally rewinding to check out sections. Um, mm-hmm. It all clicked into place, and the last half of that book flew, man. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I think, like, following the stuff closely really helped me out with that because they've done such a good job of being like, hey, here's, like, some concept art of some of the Jedi. Here's our, you know, Wookiee Jedi. You know, like, and they have all <laughs> right. this concept available. There's, like, a whole hub on StarWars.com. And me, cool Jedi who likes costumes, is like over there, like looking at everybody's little cloaks and clasps and leather bandoliers and lightsaber holsters. And I'm like, this is awesome. So when the book came out and the stuff popped up and they're like, you know, Loden, Loden, Great Storm, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I remember him. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, you know, oh, Bell Zedifar. I'm like, oh, that's right, dude. That's the dude with the green set. You know, like he got the little ember. He got ember. So like yeah. I was able to connect the dots like in my head because I've been studying those pictures for so long. But yeah, they're all new characters that you wouldn't recognize from any other piece of media, even though like now they're, they're going to be in comics and they're going to be in this and they're going to be in that. But um, yeah. And I think you yeah, like what you were saying about the world building, like this new era, like they did a really good job of setting the stage of like what it is and everything like feels like familiar kind of, but like not like, when, you know, a lot of, uh, what is it, like, Lena So, the Chancellor, and, like, the only Chancellors we know is, like, one jackass and uh, the guy that he got fired. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, and I really like Lena So. That was a bit of a surprise for me, was, yeah. like, how much I like that character and and her idea of, like, a, a United Republic and stuff. It's really cool. Ah, okay, okay. Are you ready to get into like spoiler stuff? Absolutely. Anytime okay. you're ready, buddy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, gentle beings of the galaxy, if you have not read this book, duck out, check it out. Check out the audiobook, man. That's what I did too. I did the audiobook same as you, man, and and it is a uh, it was well done and it's a good most Star Wars audiobooks are good rides. Mm-hmm. Like they put the full nines on the production and everything, but um yeah, go check it out, come back, and if you don't care, uh, proceed at your own risk. 
but there are going to be spoilers abound. Okay. Starting off of what you were just saying about that, like Lena So and the High Republic. So when they first introduced the, like, we are all the Republic. And I'm talking about when I first heard it before the book came out on a pair of socks. (laughs) I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I was like, this sounds stupid. Like, why would you, but when they start to like, and like the first time you hear it in the book, you're like, oh, it's that dumb little thing they did. You know, like they're trying, <laughs> they're trying to do another like, I have spoken. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or uh, this is the way. Yeah. By the fifth time they say it, dude, I am in. And I now <laughs> think it is like the coolest thing. Like, I don't know. It's got to be like chapter 10 or chapter 13. But like it's towards the end of the disaster when the guy, like the guys that go to try to help the space station and like the reactor is going to blow or something. And he ends up sending the droid back with the oh. last, like that part was so good. And the way that they pull out, like, like the first time you hear it, I think it's like the guys that are just sitting around checking the, uh, you know, like at the like observation base or something. And they're like, yeah, we're all the Republic, right guys? <laughs> and so I'm oh, laughing hey. at him too. But then, Dude, yeah. Uh, and the way they turn it on its head at the end of the book yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When the bad guy uses it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was cool. I really, like, that part gave me goosebumps a little bit. It was good, dude. <sighs> they made it work. And, like, yeah. like I said, I came into the book laughing at it. And I left the book, like, like, damn, dude, like, that is the dopest. Like, now I'm like, how many, can I make a shirt that we are all the Republic? (laughs) Yeah, that's about to be my new Twitter handle is about to be, we are all the Republic, Sal. Man, it is, it's really cool. Yeah, I I keep finding myself going back to that phrase. And, you know, I actually, I wouldn't say I 100% avoided, and it it turned out to be a little bit to my detriment, like we were talking about, but Mm -hmm. I avoided a lot of the pre-stuff, you know, because... I didn't want to read into it too much because I, I wanted to go in as fresh as possible um, because it's been a little while since I've been fully invested in the publishing side of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I check things out occasionally and um, because I'm always forgetting to cancel my Audible account, you know, I'll pick the books up when they come out and mm-hmm. try them out. And, you know, there were a couple there for a while that just didn't grab me. Right, um, right. And then this, you know, this whole thing and, you know, I had somebody sort of pull me aside digitally about a month before um, the big announcement last year and say, hey, I'm hearing that this whole Project Luminous thing is set a couple hundred years before the Phantom Menace and it deals with something called the Grand Republic. They said the Grand Republic. And I was like, huh, interesting. And so like, you know, I sort of like mold that around in my head and I was like, so I get it. It's sort of like, um, you know, sort of a, not exactly, but kind of a midway point from like Knights of the Old Republic stuff to, you know, the eras of Star Wars we're more familiar with, right? Right. right. And then when the announcement came out and it was the High Republic and actually before then, you know, people started to talk about that because there were little hints placed in comics yeah. and yeah. and like the Dooku and Asajj audio book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah. And like the uh, Kylo Ren, like yes. he gets a holocron. Like so, yeah, they were they were placing a lot of those little uh, little tidbits. Yeah, and okay, let me ask you something. I heard something on social media 
and I can't remember who it was from or what. It was from like a source, like a, mm-hmm. a news source. Okay. It's the Starlight Beacon Snoke's uh, space station that he hangs out so. in. in that Because okay. his is like a sphere. Like his is like a greenhouse like that's yeah. inside. Or... But um, currently in the Star Wars comics, it's looking like they might be like they just ran a mission there or something like that. So it like just popped up in the comics. <laughs> And then Starlight like Beacon did? Yeah, I think okay. so. In the like current Star Wars run, which is like, you know, Leia, you know, like the uh, post-Empire Strikes Back. Right, right, right. I think they just ran a mission there. And like, like right now they have a, uh, you know, like they they started a new little uh, squadron to do some missions. And they're like, you guys are going to be called Starlight Squadron. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's like. Dumb and silly, but also Mart Matinin is in it, and I'm happy to see Mart Matin tooling around. I saw that. I saw somebody post back. that. Um, but the like the Elfrona like outpost or whatever that pops up in the Rise of Kylo Ren in in that comic series a while back, and then it reminded me a lot of uh, I don't remember the name oh, of it. Wait a second, hold on. So the Elfrona outpost mm-hmm. in the High Republic where, like, um, Porter, yeah, uh, Loden, and Bell, Bell uh, are all hanging out where, like, you know, they're hanging out and then they get called out to their, like, confrontation with the yeah. Nile. Yeah. Is that the place that Kylo, Lor Santeca, and Luke go to? Yep. And then he, like, shows oh! up later to get the helmet or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that place. Uh, yeah. It's like a, a very like rocky canyon world or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. That is legit that place. And then I I I didn't check, but um in the Sewell run of Darth Vader, which is like when he's going to get his lightsaber, mm-hmm. like in in the first or second issue, he goes to a like space Jedi Temple outpost that like reminds me of the Starlight Beacon, but I don't know if it, it's the Starlight Beacon or supposed to be the Starlight Beacon. Okay. It just kind of looked like a space Jedi temple and all the clones are like inventorying and packing away the stuff. And then like Vader goes in there and like kills everybody and look, cause he's trying to find a Jedi, you know, to get a lightsaber from, cause that's the, the training mission or whatever, Uh huh. you know? So I don't know if it's supposed to be the starlight beacon, but it was like a space outpost like the starlight beacon beacon. I gotcha. Um, so I would have to actually look at the comic, which I did not do. Yay for homework. Yeah. Buddy, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how far, you know, as the further we get into the High Republic era, the, how many hints and Easter eggs were out there before this. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. I have a feeling there's going to be stuff popping up for a little while. Like, I am so impressed about the Elfrona outpost thing, and I had no idea because I, I read those comics and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them. <clears throat> it just. Um, I didn't put two and two together. Right, right. I'm pretty good with like names. Mm-hmm. So like something will sound familiar to it. And it sometimes it might take me a while to remember what exactly it was. But like as soon as I heard Elfrona, I'm like, where have I heard? I've heard that before, you know? Right. And like I, I can, you know, but usually I read, especially with the comics, I'll go back and do the comics a few times sometimes. Because um, I like read them as they come out. And then like when an arc is done, I'll go, go back, back and, read and I'll the read thing. the full arc. You know, together, and I'll be like, "Oh, that's that makes much more sense." 
why don't I, I just do that all the time? And the answer is because I can't wait five months and I want to see it now. <laughs> I can't wait to check out the High Republic comic. I was waiting to finish Light of the Jedi first mm-hmm. because, you know, I knew there was some crossover. And from what I understand, like Light of the Jedi is pretty much where you should start right. before going on to the other stuff. So I'm really looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, the, it, uh, the art is like really dope. And I just like right now, Skier is my favorite High Republic mm-hmm. Jedi buddy i love him i love bosk i'm a big boss guy have uh-huh. been since i was a kid so to have a transition a jedi uh, mm-hmm. i am all about that dude he is so dope like it's and yeah. he's a beefy boy too yeah, you know bosk is kind of svelte yeah he's a lanky trandoshan <laughs> yeah yeah i'll say it uh yeah dude but yeah skier is just like and he's like He's in the comics a lot right now. Like, he's in the book, too, but, like, not that much. Right. But um, in the comics, it's, like, all about him and his Padawan, at least this first issue. So it's, like, I hope we're following a lot of their adventures in the comics. Oh. I am all oh, about see, that. I don't know if I should say this, because this is kind of, like, a spoiler, but, oh, like, some of the care like, in Dooku Jedi Lost, they mention mm-hmm. one of the characters specifically, and it doesn't sound good. You know, and it may not like it's a thing where they say like, oh, well, the legend of Master Blah Blah Blah. And then you're like, well, there's a character named Blah Blah Blah. Does that mean that this happens to this character? And because they sort of tell a story that's not good. You oh, know what I'm saying? really? So. Which character is it? You got to tell All me right, and then I'll, go. I'll I'll go look up or re-listen I, to that part of the If I remember book. correctly, they're like, oh, well, Master Trennis, you know found the Bogan collection and went to the darks or something like that. And that's why the Bogan collection, like that's when they started protecting it, which was all the dark side stuff. So the question that comes to my head is like, okay, so like, does Keeve Trennis go to the dark side or does she start doing things that these Jedi don't know? You know, like, cause there's two different things. When the Jedi council says you went to the dark side, sometimes you didn't. Sometimes, sometimes you're Qui-Gon and you're like, no, I'm following the force. And if you right. want to kick me out the council, that's fine. Right. And and I don't know about you. There's a character in Light of the Jedi, Elzar Mann, that I get strong Qui-Gon vibes yeah. from, man. Yeah, Where he's like, he's a little bit of a rebel. He does experimentations in the Force. And mm-hmm. and because of how he he conducts himself, he hasn't been given the rank of master yet. It's almost like a, like he's treated like Qui-Gon, too. Which yeah. is something that I wasn't sure was going to happen. Because I was thinking, like, well, maybe we'll get more Jedi. Because, like, the Jedi of this time, in theory, could be more like what they're supposed to be, right? Not the failing, dogmatic, and only following the rules because they're rules. More of the free thinking and, like, in tune with the Force that I thought. But this dude is the dude where they're like, oh, if you would only listen to the council, you would be on the council. <laughs> like, he's definitely the guy who's like, no, I do what I want. He yeah, even, he even got flirty for a minute, yo. Yeah, well, it sounds like they got a little more than flirty in their younger yo, days, right? Man, I, that's, um, yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah, and you know, uh, you got to think, right, that for an order uh, as strong as the Jedi Order, th- their fall didn't happen over 15 years or whatever, you know, sure. the prequels. It's been going on for a little while, and no doubt... 
they're Sith somewhere out in the galaxy. Right. With their machinations and working behind the scenes. So you have to figure we're going to see, you know, obviously I don't think we'll see, you know, I don't know, like, because I don't really know what the status of Plagueis is since the canon reset, but... Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we'll see the precursor to Plagueis in some form at some point. And obviously yeah. the Jedi can't run into him, right? Because in it has to be The Phantom that, Menace. Or it has to be a, like, no witnesses kind of deal. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say. If they yeah. do run into him, they don't make it back to tell the rest of the Jedi about what's going on. Right. Or it could be something like, it, it's either that, uh, see, I don't even know, like, because I'm still, I'm still a little bit stuck on that, like, Trennis thing. So I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe she finds some evidence and starts getting into like and trying to dig it up. And they think she went to the dark side and they expel her. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, we could be looking at like an Ahsoka situation, right? So like where. Yeah. Yeah. Where the Jedi are in the wrong in this situation. Like, that's the thing. You know, the Jedi we see in in Light of the Jedi are 100 percent the good guys. Right. Like if Mm -hmm. if if you want a story about a bunch of different Jedi doing heroic stuff. This is the book for you, man. For like sure. It is awesome. But, you know, I don't think you can continue that through three phases. You're going to have to see them make the occasional mistake right. or the occasional lapse in judgment, right? So I, I do think we'll see them go off the path occasionally. Maybe not as an, or, you know, the order as a whole, right. but individually. But, like, especially, like, the seeds might start to be planted of, like... Mm-hmm that eventually become their downfall. You know what I mean? Like, and I wonder if that character is going to be a lot of that, uh, the impetus behind that. So Could like, be. that's, that's something that I'm like, and, and not only that, like, I just really like the character in the comic. She's dope. So, and she is, she skiers. She skiers Padawan. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, it's just, it's cool. It's interesting. Um, okay. Like the whole first part of the book is like, the great disaster and the reaction to it. What they do, like what Sewell does really well in this book is make me really care about people that I'm only going to know for one chapter. Yeah, man. Like there's early on in, and maybe even the first or second chapter, there's this guy that's just on a communication station like, you know, sort of monitoring hyperspace traffic in mm-hmm. and out of the Hedsall system. He's got a crush on a lady that works at the, the bartender uh, cantina. Or yeah, yeah the, on the Fruited Moon. And he's like, man, maybe I can cut out of work early. And, like, just these little moments make you really care about this guy who, you know, 10 minutes later gets obliterated by a piece of hyperspace shrapnel. Yeah. And, like, it's a bummer, dude. You've only known this dude for... You know, the equivalent of a few pages or a few minutes yeah. of an audio book, but you really connect with them in that time. Yeah, they like fill that, like, I don't know, I don't, like, it's almost like, a, you know, like those, the books that come out about the background characters, like from a certain point of view, that uh-huh, fill uh-huh. in every little background character. And you're like, man, I really like, you know, Garindan now, or whatever it is. You know, like, he does that in like one chapter. Like, so the first chapter is about the captain of the, the, what is it? The legacy, legacy run. run. She's awesome. Too. And you're just like, this is the coolest. <sighs> like, and this is a good, like, it's a person you want to like. And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh no, this is horrible. Yep. You know, 
And then the second chapter is the one that you're talking about. It's like just these guys at a communication station and the girls like the girls into like Jedi romance novels and she just doesn't really do a whole lot. Like, you know, but it's like it's it's not like slice of life, but it's slice of life. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. And, and, you know, I didn't put it together where it is a lot like um, uh, the aftermath novels, like you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the aftermath novels, the um, the interludes or whatever you called them, right. like those were sort of slice of life. They sort of clued you in on what specific parts of the galaxies or the galaxy were yeah. up to yeah. at that time, right? So- and the difference here is there's no like, it's not like, oh, wow, I'm seeing Dengar. I didn't expect to see Dengar. Right. <clears throat> so I think like, and another difference is like those slice of lives, like they point you at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so like, I, it, like the first one is like, uh, these guys are, that are like at the riot on Coruscant that mm-hmm. are bringing down the emperor. And you're like, oh, I remember that from the movie. And then it's like, uh oh, here come the cops and it's going to be a thing. And you do connect with the characters and you think it's cool, but you realize the story is there not to get you to that character. It's to let you realize that like, oh yeah, they brought down the statue, but it's about to get real up in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what most of those little interludes do, even though some of them connect you to really cool characters like Cobb Vent. Right. You mostly see, like, it also connects to the bigger picture of like, this is what's (sighs) happening on Tatooine. These ones, and they do connect to the bigger story that we're following but they just do such a good job of endearing you to that character. Yeah, and they they do a really good job of sort of not just telling you the state of the galaxy in this period of Star Wars history, but also sort of the state of mind of people generally yeah. in this time. You know what I mean? Like Because we're so used to seeing Star Wars where there's this huge galactic conflict going on that that seems to be what's like occupying most people's minds right right right. and obviously we sort of get to a a somewhat of a point of that in this but you're also looking at a period of like relative peace in the galaxy like Mm -hmm. there's this line where he's like one of the characters is like we haven't even heard from the mandalorians in forever yeah oh so my thing on that like my mando theories i think in uh, season seven of the Clone Wars, when like Ahsoka's trying to get them to go help out Mandalore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Obi Wan says something that's like, "Oh well, we you know if we go to Mandalore or whatever, we're going to be violating a hundred year old treaties." Which to me, like we're set two hundred years, so that means we're before oh. whenever these treaties were formed. Mm-hmm. Which like I don't know if this you know. Uh, run is going to take us a hundred years through this. But like in theory, we could run into whatever conflicts happen that cause those treaties. You know what I mean? Right. And so what I was reading online is that the high Republic era sort of ends about 70 years, right? Right. Before right. the Phantom Menace. So that potential was that leave us about 130 years, give or take that yeah. this, story can encompass and then mm-hmm. we know that alkalite is set towards the end right? right and then also that chinese language um ebook what oh. is it vow of the silver dawn or something yeah, like that silver something <clears throat> i guess that's also set towards the end of the high republic era okay. so 
you know, I, I do think we could, you know, once it's all said and done, we'll definitely have stories set throughout the whole timeline of the High Republic era. Okay. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if the, you know, these three phases will take us that far. I don't really know how that's going to work. Yeah, I'm curious because, like, I don't know if, are they going to get us connected to these characters? Because we can't follow, in theory, we can't follow these characters for 130 years. So yeah, most I, of them we cannot. Yeah, I figured we'd probably spend, most of this narrative will probably take place at this space in time. And then mm-hmm. maybe Acolyte will jump us towards the end. Or, you know, there might be little, I didn't know, I don't, I, I'm still curious to if the narrative is going to really take us are we going to like catch up with these guys in 50 years for phase two or three or, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what I wondered because obviously, you know, dealing with so many human characters, like they're not going to make it to the end of this era, but then Mm -hmm. you have people like Buriaga who could be a constant through the entire era, right? He's a Wookiee. You got, Um, you got Yarael Poof, man, who could go cuts all the way through. (laughs) When they, when when he first showed up in the book, I was like, I'll be damned. Yariel Poof. Mm-hmm. Look at him. In all his glory. Mm-hmm. Look at him in action. Uh, yeah, and we knew, you know, Yoda would be making some appearances right. and stuff. So, yeah, that's that's going to be really interesting to me because, yeah, the like, the leader, like, Martian Rowe. Do we know what species he is? I don't think so <laughs> but yeah they, no, he i don't seems think he's human I, right i think he's well human. yeah <clears throat> so they they describe him as having like gray bluish gray skin right now is that just because he's like, he like a sickly dude who lives in human? space yeah or is he some other species and uh, they talk about um when the other tempest leaders see him like you know he pulls them aside right uh during that first party where we meet them and they all take their helmets off they talk about how how he has like real angular face and sharp features and stuff but yeah i don't know it says here it says on a wiki wikipedia just says humanoid so you're right he's not human yeah so you know there's a good chance even he is not going to be around at the end of this era so like what are we dealing here like is the whole three phases going to cover the conflict with the nile or is that just phase one? Are we looking at a different threat for phase two and three? I don't know. Yeah, no idea, man. But I do I do definitely feel that somewhere in these three phases, probably towards the end, if I had to guess, that we're going to get a window or somewhere we're going to get something into what the Sith are up to. You know? like in, I feel like they have to. In theory, like they could be the big <laughs> yeah. bads behind. The, or who knows? You know what I mean? Like, behind the Nile or whatever Uh, else is happening. I wouldn't be surprised because they set up a pretty compelling central mystery at the end of this book that when it happened, I was like, yo, give me the next big book now. I need Mm -hmm. to know what's going on. Mm. So who knows? Could Martian Rowe even be a Sith? I don't think so. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know, dude. Like, I really like the, uh, yeah, I, we'll just go into, uh, the Nile. I was like, okay, cool. Like they're these like really hardcore pirate guys, but I'm really glad that they set up the things that separate them from just regular raiders. Like they have these tool, like they fight mercy, like 
like they don't like at one point they're kamikazeing, although not quite by choice. Yeah. But like at one like you know so that stuff that like as a soldier or whatever like that horrifies you. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. like the tactics that they use are so un forgiving and the their secret hyperspace understanding gives them that edge that the Jedi can't quite battle. You know what I mean? So like I thought they cuz for a while I was like how like how are you going to have these guys fighting Jedi? Like okay, like you like you got the Mandalorians who have Beskar and a little bit of cool tech that can sort of have them take on a Jedi, but how are you going to like like what are these are these guys going to have really big flamethrowers or what, you know, like what makes Mm -hmm. them a threat to Jedi? Yeah. uh, And that is going to be really interesting. And I thought it was such a cool inventive. So we're, we're doing spoilers, right? Yeah, we're in. Okay. Um, So, you know, they capture Loden, right? Yeah. And the fact that Martian has experience with Jedi and his dad and his family, or was it like his grandmother or something? told him that you don't imprison a Jedi by regular means. You use pain, the pain and suffering of others to imprison yeah, yeah, a Jedi. To like hamper their connection or whatever. Yeah, like to overwhelm their empathetic or uh yeah, empathetic yeah. nature mm-hmm. <clears throat> to to so they just don't they can't connect to the force in the same way. Like what an interesting, fascinating, cool idea. And like, you know, in previous Star Wars canon books, we've gotten, you know, ways that they've got around the Force, whether it be Ysalamari or, mm-hmm. you know, the Vong, the Yuzan Vong just weren't connected to the Force for some reason. Like, right, right. They were like, they were, they were a blind spot in the Force yeah, or whatever. They but were like, like extra galactic or whatever. So, yeah. Like in their <laughs> galaxy, just the midi chlorians don't exist or, and there's no way to affect them or anything with it. Yeah, and, and then to have this this really practical idea of hampering, uh, dampening a Jedi, a really powerful Jedi's connection to the Force, I thought was so cool and well done. Let's not forget my favorite thing, which is whatever floaty technology imprisons Obi-Wan on Geonosis by Count Dooku. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just, I, don't, I have no idea what it is, but they float around and they can't really do anything. And he just walks in there all smug and he's like, it may be difficult to secure your release. Yeah, Obi-Wan's <laughs> sitting there looking like me after I slept wrong on my ne- neck mm-hmm. and have a stiff neck the next day. Um, and you know something that I thought was really cool is the subtle ways that they establish the differences in like technological advancement, right? Where mm-hmm. Bacta is a new thing. It's something yeah. that's just been discovered, right? I didn't and expect like, us to be so, so much of a different, I guess because I've, I'm pretty familiar with Legends, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, going back to Legends, like, I don't know, the you the hyperspace exploration stuff you have happening in like 5,000 before ABY yes. because that's what leads to the Great Sith War and all that kind of, like, so to hear them being like, well, the Outer Rim is still kind of dicey you know, there mm-hmm. are a couple of paths, but it's kind of hard to get out there. And then being like, oh, okay. So, like, we're still dealing with that. Okay. Yeah, and to have it all connected to the Santeca clan, like, that's something I really admire about this book is it doesn't just... It seems, seems to have its its tendrils in so many different eras of Star Wars. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where it's going to have... 
you know, affects hundreds of years down the line. Like with the Santeca clan, that's a concept that was firmly established in the sequel trilogy. So it's not like it's even ignoring any era of Star Wars. It's got, you know, little hints and pieces in just about everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely like, like after a book like this, I'm still, and I I guess I had the same questions kind of going in. I was very much uh, interested in like, when and how are we going to see whatever Sith influence is happening in the galaxy during this time? And so far we haven't, but we have but we some will. questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, and yeah. Marshawn Rowe know. got this stick that just, it seems, it yeah. seems sketchy. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, buddy, when I hear the word al- al- acolyte or alkalite, I yeah. don't associate that with the light side of the force. Oh, no, sir. No, so you know, at the very latest, I think we'll see some dark side Sithy stuff. Yeah, um, by logo, the time that comes around, the logo looks like it's cut by a lightsaber. So I'm um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel I feel that, which is good because like we haven't got stuff like that. The closest thing we get to that is um, obviously some books, and the next closest thing is probably a few really good Asajj Ventress arcs. Yeah, you know, like. That's the closest we get to some good, beefy, dark side story, you know, of, of an apprentice making their way. You know, I mean, I guess you could count some mall stuff, too. Yeah, but I think, you know, going forward, you know, it's always been a question for me. Like, how were they going to... Because the Plagueis novel, it's kind of seemed like one of those things that was legends, but maybe not really. You know what right, I mean? Right, And I do think at some point we're going to get clarification on that and as long as he's still immune right that's his his species right in theory i think he could still he could be around in this time frame you know um i i'll be honest with you there's a um a senator right is he a senator or just like some sort of government official who he's real pissed off that um the chancellor has closed all the outer rim hyperspace lanes and he's mm-hmm. immune and i was like oh 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 is that gonna be Plagueis? but nice. i don't think so yeah i'm not sure i wonder how like because Plagueis is canon uh-huh. but everything else like currently is not right so like right the character of Plagueis yeah, is canon Plagueis existed he's mentioned the thing but we don't technically we don't know that he's immune technically we don't know he uh you know invested in the dark side with finances and found that way to sort of become politically powerful and fund all of his secret experiments and blah 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 blah. we do know that he was very interested in creating life in theory because one time palpatine right. said that at an opera um right you know yeah, so, and, and yeah in the Plagueis book he uh, palpatine kills him like during the phantom menace right am i mistaken it, Doesn't it he kill him the night? Around, he... But yeah, it goes past the Phantom Menace. I don't remember when he dies. I for some reason I always thought it was the the day he became Chancellor. Like that evening oh, he went okay. and killed yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what Plagueis. You're I haven't read that book in so long. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um Yeah, dude. I don't I don't know. Like I know that's a book that a lot of people hold really dear to their hearts, but that is not even my favorite Lucino book. Like, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, I I understand the appeal of it because it, it was, it, like you were saying, it was a real cool dark side story. It's you exploring know what I mean? the dark side in a new way that we mm-hmm. hadn't seen at that time, which is good. 
Yeah, and it was filling in a lot of questions you mm-hmm. had after the prequels. So I totally get that. But I, I, I'm kind of with you. It's There are parts of it that were kind of hard for me to get through. It's not the most exciting mm-hmm. read sometimes. It's, yeah. And, and I, like, I only read it once. And I just, mm-hmm. Same I here. just never went back to it, you know. But, um, yeah, so I don't remember a lot of the details. But I remember the gist of it. And I remember being like, okay, like, you know, this can work. <laughs> you know, so, but I don't know, like, if they go with a canon... Plague's story, I just hope it feels a little more, I mean, I don't know. Like, you can go anywhere with Star Wars. That's the beauty of it, I guess. But Well, you know, see, this is the yeah. thing. Like, even, even if they decide that, you know, that is mostly canon, there's not going to be alterations made, right? Like, we haven't seen a single thing from Legends being sort of ported over to the new canon stuff without some changes, right? So... I don't think they would just take the whole thing and move it over completely. Right, right. Yeah, I'm sure they would make it fit whatever their idea <laughs> mm-hmm. for the story is. And what's the point of, even if they, uh, like, even the things that you're like, well, I guess Revan's canon now, it's more like an illusion. Like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a battalion of, I don't know, Final Order Sith Troopers that's named Revan after a powerful Sith Lord. So, like, yeah, that really has nothing his, to do um, with his story. But right. you're like, okay, and cool. don't, Isn't there... Um, one of the statues you see in the Rise of Skywalker when um, Kylo is descending into Exegol. Is it one of those, Revan? Or am I, I mistaken? Right. I think you're right, dude. Yeah. One of them is somebody. And I From think the you're Knights right. of the it's, Old it's Republic. Revan, but I can't remember exactly. Okay, we got lost. <laughs> yeah, tangents. <laughs> we that's we that's what I'm known legends. for. Okay, so the <laughs> book starts with the Great Disaster, which we now know is this like big ship that is sabotaged and it's not quite sabotaged, but like the hyperspace route is sabotaged mm-hmm. so that the ship sort of is destroyed in hyperspace. And then parts of it pop out in different parts of the systems at near light speed to become these giant, you know, instruments of mass destruction that just hit planets and suns and can cause a lot of damage here. So that was interesting and of course we eventually find out that the nile is behind it yes um what a cool so you know that's one of the things we knew going in is that it was going to start off with this sort of hyperspace disaster right and and you know i think they even said something to the effect of like it's to the point where they can't use hyperspace or something and i was like what what could that be i never imagined that this is what it was going to be like Space shrapnel showing up right. throughout the galaxy and destroying stuff at near hyperspace speeds. I mean, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but the way that they said that it was a hyperspace thing, it was a disaster, and it affected the galaxy. Mm-hmm. I knew it had to be something that like wasn't localized. But right. the way they describe it as like, you know, the, the the ship is destroyed in hyperspace, but parts of it are popping out of hyperspace in different systems. Like, that's yeah. what makes it dangerous everywhere. And that's crazy. Yeah, it you is know? crazy. And, um, like, the fact that the captain of the Legacy run, mm-hmm. like, in the, her final moments before dying, <clears throat> realized what was about to happen and sealed off all the passenger compartments. So now you have not just debris, but compartments filled with living beings rocketing towards planetary bodies and space stations and stuff like to add that extra layer 
of like, well, we don't just have to just go through and destroy all of this debris. Mm -hmm. We got to save some of these people if we can. I thought that was really cool. That was dope. And so like the first, like it all kind of happens in the Hetzal system, right? And they don't understand what's happening. And it's the first people that get hit are those poor people at the observation station that just wanted to go have a drink, you know, with the waitress at the bar. Um, And uh, like, they basically just send out a message that is like, get out like emergency evacuation, which nobody quite understands. And then when the Jedi come to help, they're sort of able to get a grasp on the situation. And the first grasp is these things are rocketing towards the planet. We need to stop them. And then it's not, it's Buryaga who realizes, no, there's life. I'm sensing like life forms aboard these things. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really cool. I love, they go back, they go, we go to Buryaga a few times in the book. And I love the way that they made his character like, and this is a thing that we take for granted in the movies, like Chewbacca. Chewbacca hangs out with Han Solo and he talks to everybody and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, not everybody understands Wookiee. He talks to Han like he's his buddy. But they do such a cute job of like, Briaga's in a room with a bunch of people and he's a hero who helped save some people and stuff like that. And he, you know, people talk to him, but he's like, he can't really respond. He's like, I talk to yeah. people, but they, I, I can see that they don't understand me. I can see on their face. But he's, he's kind of like, um, almost like an awkward teenage Wookiee in some regards where he's like, yeah, yeah. man, I don't want to do this, man. I'm just hungry. I just want something to eat. <laughs> and he goes to the snack table and there's no meat. It's all veggies and fruit and stuff. <laughs> and he's like, oh man, how's a growing Wookiee supposed to survive on all this stuff? He's like, well, I'll just take uh, three rolls then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 just so adorable to see this. He seems like such a fish out of water, even though he's a part of this thing. Like, everybody's there, and the Jedi, we're so thankful. And people mm-hmm. come and say thank you. And he tries to say, like, hey, no problem, man. I'll help you out. Then he's like, but once again, I can see the look on their faces that they don't even understand a word I'm saying. So I just kind of nod and give this guy a hug. And Well, that's know. what I was going to say. When it comes down to it, like, Despite this language barrier, he cracks a piece of the code that's yeah. really important for the Jedi figuring out what's going on. And that scene where he hugs that kid, yeah, like, wow, I he, want a hug from Buryaga, man. Do, yeah. They <coughs> took, like, the thing that we all love about Chewies is, like, when you see Chewie, you want to give him a hug. Mm-hmm. So, like, any kind of Wookiee, you know, like, and they made that his power. They're just, like, he's so empathetic and... He understood what the kid was saying, and he knew that this kid needed a hug. Yep. And damn it, that kid got a hug. Yeah, he did, and I'm still jealous of that kid. Straight up, dude. Like, yeah, that's... uh, I really liked his character and what they did with him. And uh, I can hope to continue to see good adventures of Burry, the Jedi. Yeah, man. Yeah, I... uh, Well, you know, it's... When you really think about it, he has two of the most important moments in the story right like you mentioned he's the one that senses the life on the piece of space debris mm-hmm. and he talks to the kid surge and finds out that about the you know sort of nile involvement in right. the hyperspace that there disaster. was objects in hyperspace or whatever that caused yeah does that that caused the legacy <laughs> run um thing
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, dude. Look, so the whole beginning, like the Jedi are swooping out in their, what are they called again? Vectors. Vectors. Oh, those are cool. They're cool. What a cool design. And the way that they describe it, they're like, the Jedi get into a drift and they like fly as one. And it it like reminds me of, you know, like birds. When you see Mm -hmm. birds flying together and they like all Mm -hmm. turn at the same time. And then it gave me like Pacific Rim vibes because they call that the drift too. Yep. And (laughs) you know what I like? Uh, I'm just so excited to see some new ship designs. That was, yeah. to this day, one of my biggest complaints about the sequel trilogy is that, you know, it was, and I love X-Wings and TIE Fighters. Yeah. Love them. But I could have also gone for some new ships. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see something, a new design, and not just a new design, a really cool design of a new Starfighter, and how they describe it as being like, you know, sort of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not dainty, but like fragile. Because yeah. they don't need to be as tough as other starfighters because right. they have Jedi pilot them. But like and the sp- fact- specifically Jedi. Yes. Like and their like, lightsabers power the weapons. and like, Exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's so cool that they use their lightsabers as basically a, an ignition key to start up the weapon systems. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And the weapon systems are the same. Like the heads up display are the same color. As their lightsabers, like, yeah. it's so cool. Oh, that's dope. I, I also really dug that, like, it's awesome to see new ships and new things. And the fact that they give us, like, the designs ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That way I don't have to, like, just kind of visualize it when I read the book and be like, okay, they sound like little dainty fighters that are cool. Um, the design of the ship, it's, like, so cool to have Star Wars designs that aren't precursors it, oh, I designed it like this because it's eventually it's going to become a TIE fighter. You yeah, know? and that or, was, once again, always kind of my complaint about the the Old Republic stuff. Like the games. That it felt so close. Yeah, like the bad guys had, uh, you know, um, warships that kind of looked like Star Destroyers. Yeah, giant and, triangular warships. Yeah, and things like that. Like, it, this is what I kind of wanted. And I can kind of see, like, if you look at a vector... You get like maybe a bit of an X-wing in the co- cockpit area, you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it is not familiar, you know. It's, yeah, it's like you can pull things out of it, but it's also mm-hmm. so very different that it doesn't. Like you can put it next to an X-wing, and it doesn't look like an X-wing. You know, you can put exactly. it next to a Tie Fighter, it doesn't look like a Tie. You can put it next to a Jedi Starfighter, and it doesn't quite look like that. So like that right. kind of stuff, and that's stuff that I dig, like fresh content, mm-hmm. new. That doesn't just feel like, hey, remember X-Wings? Man, have I got you. (laughs) You And that was like, I had the same thing like you. I would watch the sequel trilogy and like, okay, I love X-Wings. And these space fights are cool. But, you know, new ships wouldn't be bad. Like, I'm down. Give me some more, uh, you know, B-17. What are they? B-Star Fortresses or whatever. That was kind of cool. You know. Yeah, and and it's just, it's very exciting. And, And it also makes me think like, if we do ever get to the point where we're 
you know, in more of the high, not high Republic, old Republic era of Star Wars, mm -hmm. that we're going to see some weird stuff going on, right? Yeah, man. I always like the idea, like, we we still haven't quite gotten this, but, like, in, like, the Tales of the Jedi Old Republic stuff, there was, mm -hmm. like, you know, the ship was, like, this giant carcass of a space bug that was outfitted with the ship inside. You know, like, that was the yes. exterior of the, like, that's such a cool, like, alien idea that's so different from the stuff that we see. Um, like, that's how crazy Star Wars got back in the day. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think that has a lot to do with how I perceived and wanted to see, you know, historic Star Wars mm -hmm. depicted was Tales of the Jedi, right? Because right. that had such an influence on me as a kid. <clears throat> but yeah, the the almost sort of biomechanical looking ships and stuff. Like I would love to see them explore that a little more. Yeah. And um, hopefully that's what we get. I, you know, I, I think the High Republic is going to be occupying so much Star Wars for a little while that it's going to be a bit before we get to that. But, you know, mm -hmm. they know there's a fan base for that and they'll do it eventually. So hopefully they... They put the same love and care to that era of Star Wars that they have this one. For sure, man. For sure. Um, you know what else they brought back? What's that? Jedi Battle Meditation. They sure did. That's something that I ain't seen since, like, Clone Wars comics and Apo Rancisis was on Saluka Mai, busting mm -hmm. moves. Um, so that was cool to see and unexpected. Like, I didn't think they were going to go there. No, and, and you know, they, they didn't call it the same thing, but let's be honest, it's Jedi Battle Meditation. Yeah, but, like, the way they described it, like, it was so well done. You like, the, like and, and I love that they also do it, like, um, like, the opening scene of the great disaster and the Jedi arriving to help. Like, they do such a good job of all the Jedi being, like, unique. Mm -hmm. Like, and Avar Chris reaches out to the song in the Force or whatever. But also, like, yeah, they all have um, a unique way that they, like, that they um, see the force, perceive the force. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, she sees it as a song, and you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they go into a couple other ones and how they perceive it, and it's yeah. really well done. Buriaga sees like the universe as like a tree, and he's a leaf mm -hmm. on it, but through the roots, he's connected to everything. Like, it's cool. But uh, they also do it like. The way that they, like, fly, fight, and mm -hmm. the way they meditate. So they're like, Avar Chris, you know, lifts off the floor and, and, <laughs> and floats mm -hmm. while she meditates. And another dude kind of, like, sits down and, you know, one guy kneels and the other guy just kind of stands there and puts his arms in his, you know, puts his palms. And, you know, like, they all have a different, like, way that they meditate and stuff like that. And I love that they gave that sort of attention to detail. So, like, they gave it so much... That when I'm listening to the audiobook, I'm seeing like a Jedi sit down and like close his eyes. And I'm seeing this girl float up off the deck of a, of a, what are they called? Long beam, Jedi long beam. Right. And I'm seeing like the, the other guy who just sort of stood at the edge of a mountain or what, like they did a really good job of painting these pictures. Yes. You know, and yeah. that's dope. And, and you know, that's also something that they used to do back in Legends. And to an extent where it, it seemed like almost every Jedi had its own specialization. You know what I mean? Where like mm -hmm. this one Jedi would be really good at connecting to wildlife and animals or, right, right, you know, right. this Jedi was a, 
a healer Yo, and things like that. You want to talk to animals? Let me get you my boy, Tot Donita. He could hook yes. you up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, battle meditation? Yo, know me. Know me, Sunrider. Over here. Over here. I got you. Or um, uh, Bastila. Bastila Shan. Right, right, right. Yo, this is my boy, XR. He reads a lot of books. <laughs> I'm, sure yep. it's, I'm sure it's not going to be a problem later. No, man. He's just a well-educated fella. He just likes research. He's curious, man. That's like, you should foster curiosity. Yeah. Mr. Ood Benar. Uh, oh, good times. Man, I haven't read those in a while. All right. Uh, I just put a lot of pictures, like, of Avar Chris in her little outfits, just because I love the outfits like that. Um, the symbol, and it, like, kind of comes from the the floor, like, the floor that we know of the Jedi Temple on Coruscant mm-hmm. has that circular design with the, like, symbols around it. And that looks like this High Republic symbol of what's supposed to be the light of the Jedi and the rays disseminating into the universe. It right. seems to it's like it's on all their belt buckles. It's on their, their clothing. And, like it yeah. just looks so dope. I love it. Uh, we got oh, there's uh, there's Elzar Man, um, who I am a big fan of, and that was a sleeper because that was one that like didn't pop up in a lot of concept art. No, like, no, they kind of kept him uh, close to the chest for. A lot mm-hmm. of the stuff. But now that I know that he's like the rebel Jedi, you know I'm mm-hmm. all about it. Um, so that was cool to see him sort of do his own thing. Loden Greatstorm right now is my favorite guy. He's up there with mine as well. Loden. And I really like Bell too. Yeah, I they do. have a real like, um, what was that movie about the skydiving uh, surfers? and Point uh, Break? Yeah, they got a bit of a Point Break thing going on. I feel right. like he's always try he's always throwing his padawan off of stuff trying to get him to land safely and and stuff. Yeah, I, don't yeah. Know. I love the uh like and they described this in the like the pre stuff too when they were like, Oh, Loden Greatstorm and like they show you the picture and he's like this sort of older, like Twi'lek, very grand looking, you know, serious Jedi guy. But they're like, Hey, he's like he likes to have fun and he's got a sense of humor. And you're like, he oh, sure that's, does. that's cute. That's like a, that's, that's a thing that doesn't look like that picture, but I'm man in this book, uh, him seeing him come to life and that all being true. Mm-hmm. Like that's good times. I uh, really like uh Porter quite a lot. Yeah. That's the crooky <laughs> guy on Elfrona who loves to cook. Yeah. He's, he's in his sort of twilight years as a Jedi and they, sort of established that, you know, as you get on in age, they kind of let you pick where you want to be stationed. And, you know, a lot of Jedi just want to live in the temple on Coruscant and live out the rest of their days Mm -hmm. and hang out. Mm -hmm. But he he goes to Elfrona. He's a chef. He loves to cook. and But when the shit goes down, man, does he deliver. And he's like, he's not just in his twilight. He's in his, like, fourth or fifth twilight. Yes. Like they go over like, oh, he he was once the blade of Bardota. And then, uh-huh. you know, he sort of started doing, the, you know, then he started cooking at the Jedi Temple and then he retired from that. And then he did this and then he was on the council for a, or whatever. And now he's just like kind of retired. He kicks it and, you know, at Alfrona and like kind of runs that and makes sure, you know, he likes to cook a lot. Yeah. But yeah, when time come, push, when stuff goes down, he turns back into the blade of Bardota. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was really, really cool to see. I did like him. A lot, but just like Loden and Bell, like the way that they play off each other and just like the sense of humor that Loden has throughout the book. I just really like I 
dug that so much and I like that character and I'm so worried for him. Yeah, I'm real worried for him too. And I hope, I'm really hoping we're not going to see him, you know, them sort of torture him into the dark side or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hope that's not what happens. You know, I don't think, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, who knows how long it is. I think we will see some sort of, uh, reuniting of him and bell down yeah, the road man that would be nice but i don't i hope it goes well is all i'm gonna say yeah there's a weird hook right there where it's like he's sort of like bell and like the uh the whole elfrona thing is they're out there stationed on elfrona and like these the nile come for these farmers and like they're supposed to kidnap him because they need hostages for whatever reason blah 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 Nobody like the security force won't help the people. And yeah. that was the part where I was like, I don't like this. This is too real. Yeah. Like, well, and, and that just like, they're like, sorry guys, by the time we get out to you, uh, it'll be too late. Yeah. We're not messing with these Nile guys. Yeah. It's just, it's so heartbreaking and it's so, it's almost like you call in the cops and the cops are like, nah, man, we don't mess with like, you're, you're on your own. Sorry. Yeah, it's going to take us like 20 minutes to get there. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't think you're going to make it that long. It's 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 a t- but when it it's happening in the book, dude, it's heartbreaking. I felt so bad for these people. And like they end up getting like kidnapped and they're all trying to rescue them and they like mostly succeed kind of. But like the thing is like Bell's supposed to save the la- not the last one, but he saves one of them and it's mm-hmm. through this training that he was never able to finish. And he's able to do it and save the person. And he talks to his master and he's so happy that he did it. And it's like the last time they talk, his master's like, you're ready, dude. You're a Jedi Knight. And then he's yeah. never heard from again. And so he's in this weird place of where his master said he's done. But he's like, but it's not. A, and he didn't tell anybody. It's not official. It's like it's like that Dances with Wolves scene where the guy sends him out to the outpost and then dies. Yeah. And then nobody knows he's at the outpost. So he's just kind of like, I don't know. I guess I'm going to Padawan under somebody else. I don't want to. And I don't want to tell him to be, make me a Jedi Knight because I wanted him to be at my Jedi Knight thing ceremony. You know, like, uh, they, it's it's heartbreaking, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, um, when you find out that the whole thing, like, I, I don't know, I guess going into it, I kind of thought the hyperspace disaster was just a an accident that Martian Road decided to capitalize on. Mm-hmm. But then when you when you get to the end of the book and you find out like no, he has orchestrated this whole thing. Right. The accident, the Jedi going to help the family mm-hmm. on Elfrona, like he's doing it all, like that was a big surprise to me. I yeah, I kind of thought that the Nile were gonna. Have, oh my God, that's my stomach, dude. It's almost lunchtime. Uh, that the uh, that they were gonna have something to do with it, because I figured like that great disaster was what can, they were supposedly gonna be capitalizing to try to right come across whatever. Um, but how, like this weird thing with this? Uh, what is her name? Mari Santeca. Uh, yes. Okay, Mari Santeca. Apparently is an ancient Santeca that he is keeping alive on his ship in mm-hmm. some sort of like indu because she's over a hundred years old and a human, so mm-hmm. not su- like clearly she's not supposed to be alive and there's some shenanigans going on to keep her going and she's like in some sort of you know medical, medical capsule pod. or whatever yeah and like she's the one who can understand and pull these paths out of hyperspace 
that give the Nile these edge to surprise and destroy and cause these hyperspace disasters. Mm-hmm. And that I'm so curious to see because I still don't understand it. I don't either. And I hope they really do explain or explore what happened to her, right? That Yeah. Because something happened to her and then she got this ability. And I was talking to our buddy King Tom about it. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of wondering if it had something to do with the Skywalkers from the Thrawn books. That's what it felt like. You know right. what I mean? And like maybe she just... Cause isn't it established that the Skywalkers that the Chiss use to travel hyperspace, like, sort of lose that ability as they get older? Yes. And yes. and maybe somehow she has just held on to that ability. Right, right. It um, felt like like when they were explaining how it happens, it felt like the Skywalkers. And I was like, oh, so she's a non-Chiss that can also do this. Mm-hmm. Which they've also, like, ex- like, in those Thrawn books at one point, Thrawn, like, they're ship is messed up and they're trying to do something and Thrawn explains to Vader what Skywalker or yeah, I think to Vader what Skywalkers are and has Vader do it. So like, it's a thing that other people with the force can do, not just Chiss, but it's just a thing that's very common in Chiss culture. And that's literally how their ships in hyperspace work as according, according to three books that I read. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah. So like it, it felt like that, but that it, that they don't really say that she's any kind of force sensitive or anything, but there's clearly something shenanigans happening. And I'm really curious to see how that all pans out. And if it gets any more explanation, because we might not ever get an explanation, just an explanation of what she does, not necessarily Mm -hmm. how she does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. And, and I thought, I don't know why, but when, when, they show that first party with the Nile and mm-hmm. like they're in no space and Martian is wearing his, his mask and he's just sort of staring out into the abyss of space. I kind of was wondering if it was going to be some weird, like almost eldritch horror. He's communicating with some evil force, you know, mm-hmm. out in the galaxy mm-hmm. to get these, these hyperspace space paths. But then when it turned out to be like an old, member of the Santeca clan that they think is dead. They don't think she's around anymore. Exactly. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. It's really fast. And uh, and like only he knows about her, Mm -hmm. like to the other guys, like they don't know where he gets the, the paths from like, they don't know his source. That's the whole, you know, purpose of the eye of the Nile. Right. Yeah. He provides them with the paths. They go and do the dirty work and then split him in on the cut, right? But it's clear he's had way more of a plan besides than just like, right. oh, we're going to do some raids and I'm going to get rich. Right, right. <clears throat> off uh, of this. Also, like that that piece of concept art, my boy looks cool. Like, yeah, that he does. Mask, it, it's, it's reminiscent of, what's his name, uh, the Crimson Corsair? It is. A little That's bit. exactly what I think it has looks like. Has those little wings on the side. I wonder, do you think that is the mask he has for most of the book, or do you think that's his new mask he makes at the end? They make a, a deal that the new one has the eye, right? And it has a crown. Oh, maybe that's not it. Well, see, I think yeah. the first, I think they both have the eye, but the second one has a crown on it, which if okay. you look, there could be something yeah. that's kind of 
crown like there in the back. I had felt like this was the second one because I was like, okay. oh, but look at the eye. Because I was like, I thought it was, yeah, I don't remember. I forgot that the first one had the eye too. Um, yeah. So I was looking at this like the new and improved Mr. It may Marcian be. Rowe. I don't know. We'll take bets later. Um, yeah. You, I, well, you know what we'll find out when he shows up in comics. Yes. Because the comics yes. that all take place after this, if the helmet's this helmet, then we'll mm-hmm. know that he had another helmet before. Okay, um, that's a good call. What do you... Uh, I I liked his, like, voice in the audiobook. Oh, so creepy. Like, a weird inflection. And I mm-hmm. love when they do stuff like that that's not like, every bad guy, well, I'm a pirate and I'm blah blah yeah. blah and that's how I'm going to be. Or also... Yeah. I'm the darkest side of the dark side guys, and this is the plan, and we'll destroy the. Gen- like I love that he was this weird, like, the, uh, I can't, I don't know, like the eye we of will the find denial. the paths, and we yeah. will take down the Which, republic. He has such like a really cool enunciation, and yes, like, like I don't know, I just, I loved it, and I love here. I hope that continues. Whoever ends up reading the other books, I hope they sort of keep that. Um, cause I know when I read books and comics, that's the voice that I'm going to hear in my head from now on. Oh, for sure. Like, and that's not something that I think I've heard in other star Wars audiobooks. And I've listened to a lot of star Wars audiobooks. Let me tell you, man, they did a lot of cool stuff. Like there's some cool music in it and like all the, yeah. the Nile listen to like space heavy metal music. And you hear a little <laughs> bit of that and it's cool. What do they call it? Um, what something punk is what Kossiv listens to. That's right. I forgot what it was called. It's like um, junk punk or something. It's basically a band that just bangs on space trash yeah. for music. I jumped on it back when uh when Alphabet Squadron was released and they were like mm-hmm. uh you know Gamorian death metal. I can't remember. God, I forgot what it is now. But like uh what's her name? The Thalothian the the girl that flies the B wing. I can't remember her name because I'm a bad mm-hmm. Star Wars fan. Uh, has like playlists and she's like, so I busted out the Gamorrean death metal like for this, for this mission. Uh, and I just pictured it in my head. And it's awesome. But the music that they've been using, that's not star Wars music. That's something that's been becoming more and more common in the audiobooks. And for me, it's hello. Welcome. And it's, it keeps things fresh because for so long, anytime anybody gets romantic, you hear across the stars. And I guess that makes sense. But like, yeah, for a while, you just listen to the same music over and over. And I think the first time I noticed it was like it was the first or the second Thrawn book. And um, they had like a pipe organ song, but it was not the one from Star Wars Rebels. Uh-huh. But it was uh-huh. clear that they had. I'm like, why can't you just get the one from Star Wars Rebels? But whatever. <laughs> but in it was Alphabet Squadron that started doing it up like big. So like a lot of these songs, like some of them showed up in Alphabet Squadron, too. Um, during some of the action sequences and uh, F- Crash of Fate, they also did like some new kind of stuff, like with the music. And those were the first ones where it really made a difference in my listening, where it wasn't like, oh, okay, that's just something I haven't heard before. Where I was listening to the story and I was like, dude, this music is fire. Like, <laughs> um, so that's something they've been doing in the books lately that I've really dug. And I hope that it continues and it looks like it ain't. I think it will. I, they're yeah. putting a lot of care into this. So yeah. I can't imagine them making any huge changes as far as that's concerned. But I can't find it so far. And I haven't been successful in tracking down any of it, which is like kind of my thing. Cause I like compile all this stuff. And sometimes I put together shows, 
for Saber Guild or what have you. So I like to have a mm-hmm. big library of star quote unquote Star Wars music that I can pull from. Mm-hmm. And some of it, I just you know, like all the stuff from the audiobooks. I'm like, that's not from Rebels. That's not from like, <laughs> like right. boy, I got Freemaker music because you never know. <laughs> like, uh, and but somebody asked one of the authors and they were like, oh, I'm not sure, you know. So I've kind of been like tracking that tweet to see if anybody ever answers it. Oh, that's some music from blah, blah, blah that we get from this library or this soundtrack. So if it ever pops up, man, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the job. I'm on it. I'm on it. You'd, you'd be sure that that's going to get a retweet from me. When and if, <laughs> when and if it happens, it's going to pop up on my Twitter. All right. What else we got? Elfrona. Yeah. The Elfrona stuff, dude, was just, it was so like that. The first part of the Nile coming for the farmers mm-hmm. is just heartbreaking because they're alone. And then the Jedi get the message. Yeah, and that Which, scene where yeah. the wife is, you know, they're the the Nile are using what were they called? The the pack animals that they use, the Steelies. The Steelies. They're yeah. they're running away on the Steelies, and she looks behind and notices like someone's following them, and then sees the lightsabers, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh shit, the Jedi are coming to help." That was really cool. Okay, and then. Uh, like the Steelies look cool, and I first saw them on the like that, you know, cool collector's edition that comes with socks. Mm-hmm. So you see, they're like these real metal-looking, liquid metal, dark, purplish horses, beasts, creatures, right? They have metal ho- hooves, dude. When they talked about the metal hooves making sparks as they run mm-hmm. through the metallic mountains of Elfrona, I was like, that is such a dope picture to paint in my head. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed that. Um, when, and then also when the farmers, like, you know, the guy does the thing and the horses stop and the Nile all get thrown off, you know, like Mm -hmm. give them a little bit of an edge. Like that was some cool stuff. Oh man. And, and the Jedi that are chasing him, it's your boy Porter and it's, it's, it's Bell and it's Loden and I can't remember the girl's name. Um, oh Yeah. The one that goes to get, um, she goes back to get a vector. By the way, That's right. uh, also what's cool, the she Jedi goes back to get two bikes. vectors. Yes, yes, <laughs> but they're. Um, I love that they have like bespoke Jedi technology. Like yeah. they've got the vectors, they've got their own speeder bikes, they've got their own big transport mm-hmm. vehicles or whatever. Like almost like a tank kind of like uh that's really cool to me yeah yeah and it's like specifically and like everything sort of works off of that same like they Mm -hmm. plug their lightsaber in to activate it and they can do these super dope maneuvers because they can use the force to help them fly so they were like hey they pulled a maneuver because he jammed both of these you know uh yeah both of the steering wheels he pulled to the left and then with the force he like hit the brakes and did all the other things yeah his vector sort of spun around and you know, I was like, that's, that's cool. And that's so dope that they have, yeah, that proprietary technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so cool. A lot of it reminded me of, remember that, and this goes back to Sewell again, Sewell's uh, Darth Vader run where, oh, what's her name? Uh, Joe Costa News running around and Vader's chasing her and she goes and she grabs that blaster that she plugs her lightsaber in. Yeah, man. You that know? that lightsaber battle rifle or yeah. whatever. That's probably a, a callback because he's working on this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
<clears throat> he probably knew all about that and was like, yo, let me get my jet. I'm going to get one of my Jedi blasters in here. Uh, dude, and Loden, Loden pulls the blaster out of one of the crash tanks or whatever. And he brings it with him so that when they catch up to the pirates, he plugs his lightsaber in and takes like a bazooka cannon. Yep. Oh, that's so dope. Like there was some good action in this book. Yeah, and the action and really was well done. Really easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I have some issues occasionally with books and comics mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I have a little bit of trouble following the action sometimes. It mm-hmm. really depends, especially with lightsaber stuff, on okay. how they depict it. But I did not have any problems with it this time. It was really well done. Yeah. It's something that I definitely, for me, it's the space fights. Especially mm-hmm. when you get into books like Alphabet Squadron, where it's Ooh. so descriptive. That mm-hmm. like you really need to pull aside like like sometimes your boy's <laughs> pulling out some toys to be like, oh, and then he slid over to the left. Got it, got it, got it. Um lightsaber stuff I can follow like hand like I cause I can see all that in my head usually. But once you have a squadron of ships flying against another squadron of ships, sometimes it's too right. many pieces to put together. But um that's the thing that I've been cl- complaining a lot about movies since like the mid two thousands. When special effects became a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like Sometimes the special effects of movies, like there's so much crap going on that you don't mm-hmm. even know what's happening. It's just a bunch of transformers hitting buildings. That you know was going mean? to be my exact example of what you're talking <laughs> about. Those transformers movies. It's just a bunch of metal, blurry metal banging together. It's a bunch of it's stuff so hitting keep... each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's happening. But I thought that they did a good job, like in most of the Star Wars movies, about like they. They, it's it's big and it's epic and there's a lot happening, but your attention is always drawn and focused. Like when I follow Rogue One, it's easy for me to follow the guy. Oh, they're going to go for the shield generator and they're trying to, right. I see what's happening. Oh, uh, Poe Dameron and they're going down into the little thing and they're trying to take out that. Th- like I see the object and I see what's happening as opposed to a lot of these movies these days where it's just, it's just a bunch of stuff happening and I don't know what happened and I don't know who's in what ship and I don't know. Um, you know, and that like it in books and in stuff like that, when you have to visualize it yourself, it can be difficult, particularly if that book is like all about that. And it's like, yo, dude, you like space battles? I'm going to give you space battles. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wait, let me get my toys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they did a good job in this book of like keeping the focus on what's important. Like, even though we're like in the beginning part, you know, of the disaster, even though we're cutting to different, like sometimes we're following Skier through the drift and sometimes we're following oh god what was the name of that other jedi there was one jedi that died that was like his friend and i felt really sad about it jora molly um you know sometimes we're following them through the drift and even though they're different perspectives we still understand oh they're trying to like you know help the long beam get that object to slow down and not hit that planet slash space station slash sun like the focus mm-hmm. is on what it meant to be instead of just being like, we had 17,000 vectors pulled across to the left and they look so dope flying across the sky. Yeah, but what were they doing? I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They, it, this is, you know, one of the... I, I like a Star Wars book um, that as I'm reading it, I can see how it would play out in live mm-hmm. action or animation, right? And this is definitely one of the... This is very cinematic, the yeah. way it's written. Painting those pictures is important. And, like, I think a lot of part of that is, like, the focus. That's Like, that's good writing. Mm-hmm. Like, you write the thing, and it's epic in scale, and I can see that there's so much happening, but you're also keeping me focused on what I'm supposed to be seeing happen. 
Right. As opposed to two giant Transformers hitting each other and all of LA. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, let's see. We got Alfrona. We talked a little bit about Lena. So um, I saw this somewhere, but when she goes to the top of that mountain, you remember, and it's like the one part of uh, the one part of Coruscant that like you can still see the surface of it, the natural surface. Yeah, which was fascinating. That's in Clone Wars. Somebody is it? put that up on Twitter and they were like, oh, you can actually see this in episode blah, blah, blah. And I think it's the episode where like it's one of the episodes where Padme is running around and probably Mandalorians are after. I can't remember. Um, but like she you literally like the set and then in the episode, it looks really dope because it's almost like a, a courtyard, like a city square kind of courtyard. And uh-huh. there's, in the middle, there's a circle and you can see the mountain tip come through. And that's literally that's supposed cool. to be the place where she's at, you know, although maybe that's very cool, maybe in her time, there are a couple levels down and you still see mm-hmm. a bit more of the actual mountain because here it's like just the tip pokes through. But it, it, it is really cool. And I love the idea and I love the character so far more than I thought I was going to care about a s- chancellor. Right. Yeah, me too. I you know? really thought she was very cool. Once yeah. again, another really good um, characterization through yeah. like the audio book and stuff. But a good job of like putting her and putting that idea of like what we're all the Republic mean. Like that's her like in the beginning of the book, they're describing it as like, oh, you know, Chancellor So and her big, you know, catchphrase. We're all the Republic. And, you know, like I said, at that point in the book, I'm still laughing at it. But by Uh the time you get to her and you get to understand and she's trying to open these things to the outer rim, like and getting behind her politics and her beliefs of trying to pull the Republic together. And that's what led to that. We're all the Republic. That's just dope. Like, I like this character and I like this leader in this galaxy. And I didn't expect to. me too. Yeah, and and I think that's a real important element you need to sort Mm -hmm. of establish and get everybody on board with like, no, this is is a really good time in the Republic's history, right? Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Let's see. We got Marlo and Velis. Those are the two current Santeca leader guys uh-huh. right the, the the husbands and like one's kind of snarky and one's kind of nice like yeah that was and cool. they are uh they're not being exactly forthcoming with information either yeah they seem semi-shady but like we haven't mm-hmm. got to the bottom of it yet right um um i really love the scenes with them and like this is like a weird little thing but like i do like a lot of like real estate photography and stuff so i go to a lot of these stupid giant houses in LA and you know take pictures and stuff and sometimes you meet the owners and stuff and it just reminded like there's one place I did that was like a Hollywood Hills type spot and it's a giant house and it's on a hill and the entire backyard is up a hill and it literally had like there was such a beautiful like it's 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 a baller house right right it's definitely some cribs type crap but then like you head up a stairway that goes up the hill and you turn left and there's like a hot tub at the end of that path and some tables. And then you turn right and there's like another little breakfast kind of place. And then you go up more stairs and all the way at the top of the hill at the end of their property, you can see over the house the other way and catch the view. And there's just like two chairs and a little table. And I'm like, oh, dude, if I lived here, I would just be out here every morning. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it just, sounds like that's what they do. Yeah, but like it's such a picture of like, this kind of stuff. And, and that's like it, it, these, they lived on Naboo by the lake 
And it was clear that they had such a very nice house, but it was very stylish. And I remember going through the house and being like, man, I like the way these guys decorate it. Because it was a it was a house that was owned by by two guys. And um, I was like, man, these guys have such like and they put nice stuff and it's nice pictures on the wall. And like I could I could sit down. This is a nice table. I could uh-huh. sit down here. So in my mind, that was the house that I was picturing. Because <laughs> for some reason, it, it like painted this picture of these two guys as a nice house. Yeah. Um, so just my own real life experiences coming in there, coming in hot. Yeah, and, and so they employ um, people that help them figure out hyperspace paths, mm-hmm. right? And I can't remember what they call them. They have a special name. but they wear right? Yeah, but even uh. their... I feel like there was something else. And they, and they okay. say that they have like these special headsets that they use that... I know it's not the same thing, but I couldn't help but imagine in it was like Lobot's headpiece. That's right. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, probably like a precursor of that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do. I'm trying to like look it up and see if it says anything about it. Velazanteca. Show me all about it. One of the heads. <laughs> Hyperspace prospectors. So it says that. Let me see if it says something over there. Here we go. Interesting podcasting. Searching Wikipedia. Da-da-da-da. Nah, I got nothing. But I do remember it. I remember <laughs> it saying about their little headpieces that they wore that helped them do the calculations and stuff. So it was very, like, probably a precursor to poor, poor cyber, <coughs> poor cyborg Lobot, who actually, that was a, that was a Sewell comic, dude. The, yeah, the Lando the comic, Lando right? The Lando one, that's another one. Wow. Yeah. All those connections coming in hot, dude. Um, So, like, by the end of the book, we actually get, like, they activate the beacon and we get, like, a nice little scene. It kind of feels like an epilogue, like, of the bigger story. Mm-hmm. But it also feels like it's kind of cool to see them accomplish the thing that they were trying to, you know, and the Jedi are there and Avar Chris and Elzar Man is there and they're going off to side rooms Mm-hmm. And Yoda's there. Yoda's there. That's right. You know, you got your people from uh, what's the other book? The uh, A Test of Courage. They show up, which I haven't finished A Test of Courage, but I'm guessing. I haven't yet. Are... I'll uh, yeah. I'll probably finish that tomorrow while I'm working. It, have you started it already? I have. I'm only about yeah. an hour in. I know I, it's not super long. I'm like half. I I picked it up two nights in a row. I think I'm already like more than halfway. Yeah. Because uh, it ended up going. I, I love the young reader books, dude. They just move. They do like, and it's good stuff. I, I, I'm loving it so far. And it's a little more like of a focused because it's literally about these characters and what happens to them. It yeah, doesn't. Yeah. I already have sort of a question on how it interfaces with other stuff, but I'm going to finish okay. it first. Yeah. And then I'll hit you up if, if it still doesn't make sense to me because right. I mean, we're sort of talking spoilers, I guess. Right. Like mm-hmm. the, there's a couple of Nile that are out on a mission, right? Right. But it seems to me like it's kind of taking place during the time where Martian is like, no missions. We're not doing any missions. Okay, mm-hmm. we can do one mission. You guys go get this family. You know what I mean? So right, right. that's the part that didn't make a timeline wise, didn't make a ton of sense to me, but I want to mm-hmm. finish it first. Okay. Um, yeah, man. I, I, so I guess, like, I don't know. I, I really dig the Nile. And I'm, I'm happy that they made them like a compelling enemy for the Jedi. 
that yeah is a threat i dig that Yeah, because that's the that that's the big issue right you can't have sith being a a out there in public threat against the jedi at this time in the star Mm -hmm. wars timeline but so the the big struggle the big hurdle is creating a compelling villain Mm-hmm. And I think they nailed it so far. Like, yeah. Martian is so interesting. Yeah, I'm so interested to see, like, where that bigger story goes of the Nile. And I know, like, uh, you know, through the publishing stuff that they've given us, that there's other things out there. Like, I've already read the, uh, what is it, the the Dark Legend story or whatever. That's those plants that are carnivorous. Yeah. Um, I forgot what they're yeah. called. But, you know, that there's other things happening at the time. Um, that's cool. But yeah, like so far, like the Jedi, the state of the Republic and the Nile and these hyperspace disasters and how these people are manipulating hyperspace. That's all stuff that I'm like super curious about. And I didn't realize I was going to be that interested in what's going on with hyperspace today. Right. Um, yeah. (laughs) I kind of feel like we haven't seen the last of those hyperspace disasters. I think yeah. they're going to, I think, he, you know, he, he kind of establishes that they're going to lay low to, for a little while, get a plan together. But I think once that, I think that's going to be part of their plan. For sure. Yeah. And I'm on the hook right now for Loden. Like, oh man, like yep. give me, like I, I need to find out what happens to my boy. Like Loden is, is, is such a joy to have around but he's around other people that are not a joy right now. Um, oh, I did dig the, like the kind of backstabbing Nile stuff that happened with Martian and K- K- what's Kossov. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and you know, there's this sort of mystery of who killed Martian's dad. Yeah. And, and like, I like when he pulls the trigger on taking out Kossov, he's like, you killed my dad, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I don't know it for sure, but Hey, if it wasn't you, the other two have it coming to them too, man. Yeah. Like, so it's clear that, that like there's the Nile and then there's Martian who's like the head of the Nile slash the eye or whatever. But also mm-hmm. he's clearly manipulating a lot of this stuff. And I'm curious to see like what it goes beyond and if it goes beyond the Nile, you know what I mean? Cause he's like, they're manipulating. Oh, I just love the, we didn't really talk about how the Nile, like, the whole like storm thing and how they attack as a tempest or a cloud yeah. and in the, when they show up in their ships, it's like in this weird storm that people can't really figure out what's happening. And then the Until ships it's pop too out. late. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. kind of cool. And that's like such a good threat. Like mm-hmm. that's separate from like, Oh no, pirates are here. Um, so yeah, I'm really digging how they're doing the Nile and how they're making them not, Nacho average pirate. Yeah, I I was a little worried about that, right? Mm-hmm. Initially, being like, uh, space Vikings, because that's kind of you know one of the ways they right, right. described them. I was like, that's cool. I'm into that, but like, how is that something that the Jedi even have to worry about? And right, right. they establish that it is in fact something they have to worry yeah. about. And like things like hostage taking and stuff, like like the other mm-hmm. like those kind of uh, you know, what do you call it? Like moral loopholes that they like just jump through. So they, they're like keeping the Jedi's hands tied, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. So they're definitely a threat and definitely like, I was glad to see that pan <laughs> out in a way 
that wasn't uh, just your average pirates. Yeah, me too. You know? So that that was really 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 cool, man. I am I'm all in on this. I'm working my way through a test of courage right now. Um, I just love seeing Jedi at their height, and I love seeing all the different ways that they do their stuff, man. And mm-hmm. like they did a really really good job of that. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens, but like. I, like now that we've got this grand picture and the like, the eras sort of painted in, I think we're going to start dialing in on stories and they're going to be a lot yeah. more. And I'm Focused. sure there's going to be things that are big and happen as a whole thing as well. Yeah, I kind of think the first book in each phase will kind of follow suit okay. and sort of set the table for that phase. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. And then the the stories that fill in the you know stuff in between phases will be a little more focused and right right and stuff I, I i just kind of feel like that would be the best way especially if there's some sort of even small time jump in between phases you know yeah and that's what it feels like like if you're gonna have three phases i kind of feel like that's the way i would go with it particularly mm-hmm. when you have like you said 170 years to play with um i don't know like if we're gonna get through that 170 years but if we have like phase one and then phase two jumps three, five years, you know, and they, maybe they thought they defeated the dial and then, but ha new paths or whatever, you know what I mean? Like they go into hiding for a while to hatch their next phase of plan or it's like a long game. Like, I don't know, man, there's a lot that we could, that we could cover that could potentially be really, really interesting and in seeing the ramifications on that, you know, that, that larger sort of time. And then I wonder also, if we're going to end up in a place like we talked about earlier, where the seeds of the stagnancy of the Jedi starts to become a thing, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's got to, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, slowly but surely. Yeah. But man, I'm all in on this book and I was not disappointed. Me neither, buddy. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. And man, if your thing, if your thing is Jedi, for sure. This mm-hmm. is like a must read. If your thing is new eras of Star Wars, you definitely want to dip your toes in and see if this mm-hmm. is an era for you. And if you just like seeing people in the galaxy to days to days life and falling in love with them only to see them disappear in a chapter for you, the whole read the entire beginning of this book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that this could hit a lot of different um, people. You know, like different people and what they're into in Star yeah, Wars, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, man. I think that's it, dude. Are we, are we, uh, you got anything else? No, man. I think I'm good. Yeah, man. We covered it, man. We, we covered it. Um, just pot it forward, man. Go give my boy some five star reviews. Hit me up with some while you're at it. Um, I think that is it. I'm excited to get into the next couple of books, um, of the High Republic stuff. So I do want to say IDW, please don't delay my comics, man. I want my Daniel Jose older high Republic adventures. Yeah. I'm looking forward to those too. That I watched that live stream. They did, you know, the day mm-hmm. before everything launched and there seems like there's a lot of cool stuff coming, including those IDW yeah, books. Just IDW keeps delaying their comics, man. And I hope I don't have to wait and I hope I don't, you know, I hope they don't like delay stuff and I'm, catching up on phase one books during phase two man come on stay on top of it idw please yes please 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 that's all i ask all right um that is a podcast sir 
Awesome. And I don't know how to end them, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs>